I totally could have watched Disenchantment because I think it's available on. Uh, isn't it available on like um, Netflix? Netflix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I told you guys last week. Mandy was available on VOD. Video on demand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, four ninety nine on Amazon. You are listening to the Give Me Five podcast, episode number fifty three. This is the Give Me Five podcast, a semi-entertaining show about very entertaining subjects. We discuss pop culture, entertainment, and a little bit of nostalgia. This week, uh, Greg and myself are in the same room, so for the very first time... They'll be cuddling uh, while we record. You know, I actually thought that uh, I was hearing you twice through the microphone, but I don't think I am. I think I'm actually hearing you live, and now I'm hearing you through the microphone, and it's throwing me off a little throwing me off a little bit your hand signals are are really kind of funny you did the like get going thing yeah spinning his finger around in the air i'm not used to that that's when he makes fun of me i'm gonna get be able to give him the finger no this week we will be discussing the netflix original animated series disenchantment and the movie mandy we will also be discussing what we are looking forward to and what our plan of action for halloween horror nights will be so I'm Jimmy, and I'm here with my co-host, Greg. Hello. And hello back there. Hello. And Rob. Uh, hello. And uh, hello back there. And we are joined by our very special guest this week, our co-worker, our friend, Mitch. Hello. Hi there. And together we Wait, are the... You referred to Mitch as friend. Uh, Mitch is actually my arch nemesis. You already have one of those. That's Carwin. Oh, I have many of those. one? You're my baseball arch nemesis. And hockey? No, no, you're... No, that doesn't work. The, the Blues have to actually get to the playoffs. Oh. <laughs> I think there was another sport, too, but you're actually Rob's arch nemesis. You were Rob's arch nemesis in that one. No, I'm pretty sure those are the only two major sports I follow that I've ever <laughs> followed. Definitely was never another St. Louis professional sport that I I watched. Okay. I understand your pain. Mm-hmm. We never really had a problem with the Rams. When they were good, we were just absolutely terrible. And when we were good, they weren't any. <laughs> so this week we will uh, be having sports talk. Yeah, we are joined today by Mitch. Mitch will be hanging with us for a little bit and talking about disenchantment as myself, Greg, and him have seen it all the way through. So as always, guys, this is a review show and there will probably be spoilers. We'll try to avoid any major twists. So, if you didn't know that Nicolas Cage almost played Superman, dear God, that would have been terrible. Or that Greg was once stalked through the woods by a satanic cult of clowns, then you might want to pause the show and come back later. It's totally true. Never trust satanic clowns if they try to bring you into the woods. And you might want to call for some help if that does happen. Or you can contest uh, contact us at the Give Me Five podcast. I'm so, not doing anything about it. He wants to be with the satanic clowns. I think he wants me to be with the satanic clowns. Oh, so uh, things you can do to reach us, you can check us out on Facebook by searching for the Give Me Five podcast. You can look for us on Twitter and Instagram, Give Me Five Pod. And uh, by the way, all these, of course, are the five is spelled out, not the number five. Although I 
pretty sure that that other Gibby Five podcast is no longer with us. Uh, if you want to email us, them. we did. Uh, if you want to email us, that is give me five podcast at gmail.com. And if you want to help us a whole bunch, feel free to leave us a review on iTunes or whatever podcast uh, uh, the app you were using. And of course, you know, all of this excellent content is free for you guys, but it costs us a little bit of money. And if you want to help us out, you can buy t-shirts. In fact, Rob wore his t-shirt at Halloween Horror Nights the other night. I did, and I got drenched. Yeah, and he got very moist for due to a rainstorm and due to the high quality of the t-shirt itself. Uh, you can also, if you are buying random things on Amazon, you can use the link on our Give Me Five podcast page, the Libsyn page. You can find that link on Facebook, etc. It does not cost you any extra money. However, it does give us a little bit of the money and takes it away from the giant Amazon conglomerate. And we thank you for that in advance. So anything new, guys? Yeah, I think the biggest thing in the last couple of days, we've got a trailer for Captain Marvel. Oh, I Have haven't seen that yet. Seen oh. I really liked it. You know, I, I really don't like those React videos, but I kind of want Rob just to, you know, maybe mute his mic, watch it, and do like an instant reaction. Or maybe actually let's leave his mic on and have him narrate what he thinks he sees. It's only a minute and a half because the opening of that trailer is going to make him giddy. Mitch, did you see the trailer? I did. You know what my big takeaway was? How many lens flares they used. Yeah, but we're like nerds. We're all tuned into that stuff. There were quite a, a few. I think they might have done it just for the trailer, is my guess, to hide you know, stuff that isn't done yet. Well, there were like 17 alone on the logo. Yeah, did it was you actually count them? Yes. We stopped the trailer and uh, counted them. Hmm. You guys have a problem with lens flares? No, I like them no. a lot, actually. Yeah. I love them. There's no problem there. Very J.J. Abrams Star Trek. I I loved it. I loved all of the 90s references. Blockbuster. Weird. Yep. And the, the pager and just the de-aging technology that Disney has done. So you see the young Nick Fury or the young Samuel Jackson. And they're getting so good with that. You know, I th- when's the first time they de-aged something? Was that in Star Wars? Or they made him back, come back to life? Uh, Moff Tarkin? Was that like the first time they did it? Which one was that? Uh, Rogue One. Uh, they did in the Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Well, I'm talking about like the Disney version of the de-aging stuff. Disney, no, I guess they did own them at that point. Yeah. So I think they did that. They did the uh, Princess Leia stuff. And then they, of course, did a bunch of de-aging in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. And every single movie they do it with, it gets better. Is it really de-aging or do they just... I just assumed they made a new 3D model of the character and, and kind of... Just based it off of their pictures. I think it's a combination of a bunch of things. It's. I think Rob is listening to the trailer in the background. Or someone is. It's not me. I mean, not myself, me. yes. Uh, uh, Tron. Yeah, Tron did as well. That was Disney as well. Mm-hmm. So that, was the first time they, that was the first time that they uh, really pushed that out there. And it started off looking a little creepy, but now it's getting better and better and better. They're also a little more creative with their, with their clips that they pick, too. If you notice the Samuel L. Jackson thing, he starts off with his back to the camera, and then he, they show him like kind of a side view, so he's not looking straight at the camera. Uh, the nerdy stuff that I saw in that trailer that made me totally geek out was the there's some Kree aliens, which are the aliens that have like the little fin on their head, and the they're blue skinned and they have like pretty cool helmets. And she is she's an, uh, a human, but she was kind of kidnapped by the Kree or something. I don't know their story. By the Navi. Yes, by the Navi. And uh, also the the thing I 
loved was this you could see squirrels walking up from the water on the beach and squirrels you need to really bone up on your marvel history but they have the the squirrels kind of coming up from the water and squirrels were actually part of the fantastic four purchase when fox took over fantastic four when they had fantastic four so i'm not entirely sure when they got them back because i didn't think that marvel could actually use scrolls which is why they were using the other aliens for like the avengers so rob have we finished the trailer yet mitch what did you think i thought the trailer was good um i mean to be completely honest i don't know that much about captain marvel uh in general you know her backstory or anything like that mm-hmm. you know i i do know she's supposed to play a big part in the the upcoming avengers movie and i didn't get the sense she was all that powerful from the trailer which i was a little surprised about here's a little little backstory for you from greg i know she's pretty powerful but there's also like an amnesia 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 Am- she, she's an amnesiac i've always I like heard it. it as amnesia but yeah, and you can, they hint at that when they show like all those clips of her like she's saying something like i remember myself as a child and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff so I know there's a little bit of that, and I think that once she remembers stuff, she starts becoming a little more powerful. Okay, makes sense. Well, as far as Captain Marvel's concerned, she's also a, um, for lack of a better term, a galactic-level superhero, if you will. Yes. So, I mean, she's probably, as far as power is concerned, wouldn't that put her like on par with like Silver Surfer or um, um, what are some of the other? Yes, that's... Uh, there's like Quasar, but he's like a he hasn't been around for a while. But yes, it's like what yeah, about Nova? The power is, is Nova a cosmic superhero? Yes. Okay. So yeah, I think that they'll eventually be introducing Nova into our world. In fact, because they mention that in Infinity War that Thanos destroyed the Nova Core, mm-hmm. which is kind of what happens to make Nova be like a singular superhero instead of an entire team of of people, which you saw in the first Guardians of the Galaxy, but. I'm really excited to see that movie. I love the costume, the Captain Marvel costume. I love that character in general. I don't know too much about her because she really got rebooted right around the time that I stopped reading comics. But I know that that's when that costume debuted. I and I would have liked to have seen a little bit more adherence to the more classical colors because it seems like the the costume itself is a little. Um, and I know I'm such you a did. nerd. Yeah, it's and I know I sound like such a nerd complaining about the the colors of the costume, but it does seem like the costume is like very muted. It doesn't have the the uh, classic uh, red and yellow highlights to it that you that you associate with Captain Marvel. Um, but you know, I mean, that's that's a minor quibble. I mean, I'm not gonna slam anything for that. But do you remember the, what's the big guy's name from Infinity War with the big like hammer on a chain? Oh, um, you mean the bad guy? Yeah, yeah. Stanky Frankie. No, crap. Also not it. <laughs> what was his name? Oh, research department. Yeah, well, either way, that guy. Uh, if you looked at his belt, he actually has a shred of of a Captain Marvel-esque costume on it in the city scene when they're oh, really? trying to get Doctor Strange. So he's standing there, and you can see it, and it's very clearly that costume because it has the, the navy blue, the darkish red, and the gold piece on there and it's just kind of hanging there almost like a trophy and i don't know if that was e- just an easter egg for fun or if it actually means something but it was just something that someone pointed out and there was like a little video about it which i saw it's, it's kind of cool so uh any other news guys or does anyone else have anything else they'd like to uh say about the captain marvel trailer it it didn't give away a whole lot in the way of the story other than the fact that she's got like amnesia and she meets up with um nick fury 
So, I mean... And that she wants to rent a video really bad. She does. She does really want to rent a video. Black Dwarf, by the way. Well, in other news, in two days at the time of this recording, um, we have the new Midnight album releasing called Kids. So if you've listened to this show in any capacity, you've probably heard the Midnight used. Uh, you've heard us talk about the Midnight. You've heard us talk about the new tracks that they've been releasing. Uh, Kids comes out on the 21st, and we will definitely be talking about it. Very excited. Well, I think it's time for Snap Decisions. Uh, well, guys, it's time for Snap Decisions, but I've got a game for you guys based on something I was kind of looking at the other day that I thought was interesting, and I think that it is right up Rob and Jimmy's alley, and Mitch, you get to play along as well. So what I'm going to do is read to you some taglines from 80s movies, 80s movie posters. Okay. And you guys are going to try to guess what movie it is. All right. And we will do, and I have got a scoreboard here. I don't see it. Well, you won't see it. It's on a piece of paper in front of me. Okay. Number one. This this one is uh, a test, and it's actually not entirely an 80s movie, but... You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll hurl. You said it's not an 80s movie? This one is early 90s, possibly late 80s. Is that basketball? You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll hurl. Wayne's World. Jimmy, because he always says Wayne's World, I had to throw that on there. So yes, that is Wayne's World. How do we know Jimmy isn't cheating? uh, Because he's sitting in front of me, and he's only looking at the back of my laptop. Okay. Man is the warmest place to hide. Say man? Man is the warmest place to hide. And this is an 80s movie, right? Yes. Everything else is an 80s movie. (laughs) I have no idea. We've talked about this movie on multiple occasions. Man is the warmest place to hide. It's got to be something like Body Snatchers, but I don't think... Oh, Interspace. No. Rob was close. I don't think we've talked about Body Snatchers. What's what's another one of those... um, Someplace very cold with some sort of body snatching going on. Aliens? No. Uh, uh, no one gets this one. That is The Thing. Oh. Okay, moving along here. Is it, maybe this one is probably going to be easy. So buzz in when you can. If Nancy doesn't wake up screaming, she won't wake up at all. <sighs> Nightmare and Yep, Jimmy got it again. He's up two. I don't think I'm going to do good at this game. That's okay, <laughs> just try. I mean, I'm quick with the Google, but... Um, it's as real as the feelings you feel. Princess Bride. <laughs> wow, Rob, nice. what a surprise. They're back from the grave and ready to party. Pet Cemetery. <laughs> <laughs> Not uh, correct, but I'm giving him a point for that. Mitch uh, <laughs> gets a point for that. That yeah. was amazing. Um, um, Return of the Living Dead. Yep. I was close. Very close. Let's I'd love see. to see that version of the movie. Yeah, right. One man struggle to take it easy. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Weekend at Bernie's. Oh, that's Ferris what Bueller's I was going to say. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Be afraid, be very afraid. I did not know this one was actually the tagline for this movie. Be afraid, be very afraid. I think it's a line from the movie, too. Yeah, I'm... God, and I know the line, too. Uh, Poltergeist. Nope. That's their here, would be Poltergeist. Yeah. What say you, Mitch? Uh, yeah, I got nothing. Jeff Goldblum. Jurassic Park? <laughs> that was 1990-something. Three. Oh, yeah. The Thing. The Fly. The Fly. Oh. 
Uh, a hometown kid on his BMX against the best in the world at Helltrack. The, he- the heat is on. Red. Yeah. I had to put that one in for myself. This one is also very interesting. I don't. I would not have guessed this one. The thing that won't die, the nightmare that won't end. Is that Friday the 13th? Yeah, that's what I would have thought too. It is not. It's way more sci-fi. That would be Terminator. Yep. Mm. Jimmy is crushing it, and we will go with one last one. Uh, don't give me a point for that one. You gave it away. Uh, let's see here. From the brother of the director of Ghost. From the brother of the director of Ghost? Yeah. You'll get it when I say it. You'll uh, know why they did it like that. It's got to be from a comedy. Yes. Um, Ghostbusters? Yep. Ghost Dad? <laughs> <laughs> uh, there will be no ghosts. There are no ghosts. One actual murderer, though. I got nothing. Nope. N- naked Gun. Oh, uh, yeah. So, it looks like Jimmy ran away with it. Uh, five to one, Mitch had one, and Rob had two. Mine was so. a pity point. Yeah, but it was good. Yours was the yeah. best answer of the day, though. That's true, yeah. You know, My, I haven't I, seen any of those movies except for Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Really? Yeah. My, well, I thought I was going to do okay because I worked in a movie store when um, I was in high school. So I thought, you know, I might have a chance, but oh no. I was looking up a bunch of them. Some of them were so obscure that you would never have got them. I like uh, does for rock and roll what the sound of music did for hills. Rock and roll high school. This is Spinal Tap. Oh. That's what I was going to guess if I could have thought of the name. And also, uh, beyond our time, beyond our universe, there's a planet besieged by alien invaders where a young king must rescue his love from the clutches of the beast or risk death in his world, of his world. Rob, we just watched that movie together. Crawl. That is crawl. Okay. So anyway, that that was my little fun. I was I was totally gonna I was, say your <laughs> I should have done that one too. But uh, does anyone else have anything? Um I had a I had a question for you guys. Um it's been in the news a little bit recently and, and I know it's sports related, but it's not it's not of sports. Um because it seemed to me like it well, uh, I'll save my opinion for what it is, but what do you think of the the Hall of Fame players getting together and proposing that the NFL pay them a $300 salary in perpetuity for getting into the Hall of Fame as well as lifetime health care? You know, it's funny. I actually heard them talking about this this morning on the radio, and I don't like that because the Hall of Fame is such an ambiguous designation. Mm-hmm. There are... You know, it depends on when you played. It depends on how other people voted. I mean, how many lists can you find of people that should be in the Hall of Fame? Right. And adding that extra money on top of it when, let's be honest, if you're a Hall of Famer, there's a pretty good chance that just about any of you, any of the people in the Hall of Fame could get some sort of backing. Except for Terrell Owens. <laughs> well, he's not in it, is he? Yeah. Yeah, oh, he, he, is, as he, was, he was inducted and like a baby refused to go to the ceremony. So, yeah, because he wanted to be first round. Um but, like, you could pretty much get any, I mean, whether it be the Hall of Fame characters on Madden or a Doritos commercial or something, if you really try. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's there's some speculation that they think the $300,000 the $300, annual salary would be something that would be paid to the estate if the player were, were, were to pass away, which basically means, I mean, where does, where does that stop? I mean... Because you got into the Hall of Fame, like, you know, like 
all of your descendants are entitled to the 300,000. But my, I, well, does anybody else want to answer it before I go off on mine? You just didn't. So I don't mind them getting some money because, you know, once you're in the Hall of Fame, you're, you know, pretty much a permanent ambassador for the game. And so, you know, you're almost promoting it to a certain extent, you know, with people recognizing you uh, as you, you know, go to the supermarket or whatever. Um, but the that number seems quite a bit high, um, you know, for, for probably not doing a whole lot day to day. I think I would barely recognize um, Hall of Famers that are, are, you know, have been in for more than 10, 15 years. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure that they can get a job or, you know, a commercial or something like that, you know, whenever they want, because at some point they're just, they're kind of just so out outside um, what I think the average viewer or, or fan, you know, knows about the sport. Yeah, I guess short of uh, Terry Bradshaw. Uh, there's not many from the earlier than the seventies that people are going to recognize. I mean, I would argue even for me, the eighties, I might recognize their names, but if I was to walk by them, walk past them down the street, I don't know if I'd recognize a lot of them. I really want Brian Parkinson to sell me Doritos. He does. As, as far as I'm concerned with this whole hall of fame thing, I would like to see the hall of fame players use their clout and their stance as hall of fame players to achieve more equitable treatment for everyone, not just the Hall of Fame players. Because to me, it seems more like I'm going to get what I can while I can get it and screw everybody else, as opposed to, hey, let's work on something where, because there's only, what, 318 players currently in the NFL Hall of Fame? There are so many more players who are in need of help, who no longer play anymore. And I would like to see them focus more on things like maybe healthcare for everyone after they continue playing. Because as it stands right now, their health care runs out five years after they stop playing. Wow. And I would like to see that extended because I can I can get behind that because they, they abuse themselves, they use up their bodies, and a lot of them have a lot of long-lasting issues because of playing. And while, while part of me says, well, they know what they signed up for when they join, you know, there is another part of me that says, well, you know, somebody should help take care of them afterwards. Well, but... Go ahead. The NFL makes so much money. The teams make so much money. Yeah, at the very least, they should be able to take care of, you know, their their former players a little bit better. Right. And and I would like and somebody uh, I, I saw the math somewhere that it 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 amounts to basically just the three hundred thousand dollars salary for NFL players or for Hall of Fame players amounts to about ninety five million dollars wow. annually. Now, granted, the NFL is like a fourteen billion dollar annual industry, but I'd rather see I'd rather see that six percent go towards taking care of everybody as opposed to just taking care of the elite few. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if we're going to support players after they play, we we should probably try and support everybody, not someone who was lucky enough to make the Hall of Fame. I agree. Makes a lot of sense. What was that? <laughs> uh, that is our you're talking too long signal not for you yes but for for rob who knows better he gets another one there you go okay so i think does that uh, close out snap decisions unless somebody else has one i do not okay and i don't think mitch does since he doesn't know what this is so he clearly doesn't know to prepare a snap decision well i think we need to go into 
our first topic. And uh, Jimmy, I'm going to go ahead and let you decide what that's going to be. So I think just because Greg and myself saw it, we'll talk about Mandy. And then since three of us saw it, we'll talk about Disenchant. Uh, Rob, you're going to have to binge Disenchantment for the yeah. next 30 minutes while we're watching Mandy. Right on. While you're watching Mandy, we're going we're gonna to break and watch Mandy? No. No, no, no. We're going to talk about Mandy. Okay. You're going to try to watch uh, five hours worth of Disenchantment while we're doing so. All right, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> so, Jimmy, tell me all about Mandy. Yeah, Mandy was just released um, through VOD. It's also out in select theaters, which is it's not very – they had a premiere on uh, the 13th that was in a, a, quite a few theaters, but it's not really in any uh, you know large ones now. It is available on Video On Demand. That's how I watched it. That's how Greg watched it. It's four ninety nine, and it's definitely worth the rental. I'm going to buy the Blu-ray as soon as it comes out in October. I know it's also playing at the Coolidge Theater, which we spoke about last week for Ms. Mm-hmm. 45. I'm looking at the marquee right now, and there it is. Yeah, I think the closest one here is in Lady of the Lake or Lake Lady, Florida. It's a weird place for it to go. Yeah, but it's directed by Panos Cosmatos, who has the coolest name ever. He might be Greek. Uh, he's a like combination. But it is starring Nicolas Cage and Angela Riseborough and a brief but significant scene with Bill Duke, who was Mac from The Predator. Who was he? Hmm? Which one was he? He had a shaved head. Oh, okay. Uh, he's like he cut his cheek at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't realize that's who that was. Yeah, it was awesome. So it is a cosmic horror film, I think. That's the best way to describe it. I think it's a the cosmic horror film. Yeah, I, I think it's right in line with movies like The Void or Baskin, mm-hmm. which are, you know, I think it's a great genre. It, it could be my favorite, but... It's a very surreal film. It's a lot of use of color, and it's very artsy. Now, there's um, been a few podcasts that have sprung up in which people review movies they have not seen. Uh, so since that's becoming a genre, I think that both Mitch and Rob, since they have not seen this, should review the film Mandy based on what they think it's about. That sounds awesome. So, um, Mitch, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. So, so tell us what you thought about not seeing Mandy. Well, so can I still do this even though I've seen the trailer for it? Yeah. Or is that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so can. to me, it looked like there were a bunch of backwoods hillbillies that maybe kidnapped some some girl that Nicolas Cage liked, or maybe it was his daughter. I don't know. <laughs> so he had to kind of kind of almost Mad Max style get her back and free her and probably in the process killed a lot of the, those those people. And looked, that sounds like an excellent movie. And it also looked kind of trippy, artsy, you know, Very as well. Yeah, they went way heavy on the uh, color grading saturation on that one for the nerds out there. Uh, Rob, are you out there? I am. So tell, I, tell I, us what you thought about not seeing Mandy. I did not see the trailer, but I would think that Mandy is a fine girl. <laughs> and what a That's good the second wife. time you've made that reference on and, the podcast, I believe. And what a good wife she would be. She, she was. Was she a wife or a girlfriend? She, she was, was not a, a daughter. She was a girlfriend, but what a good wife she would be. And it's not Mandy, it's Brandy in the song, by the way. But yeah, yeah. They were a couple. Yeah, they were a couple. In a very cool house. Made of windows. There, Yeah, there's houses. absolutely nothing yeah. that could go And what, what, what happened, what happened to, to Mandy, Rob? Um, He's just um, going to 
Kurt Kurt Russell gave her brain cancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a uh, wrong movie yet again. Oh. Okay, so Jimmy, now let, let's let's go on with what actually happened in the movie. Mitch was closer, but he actually saw the trailer, so that's saying something for the trailer. <laughs> yeah, so you're just about right. Mandy and Red live in I think it's Oregon. The yeah, it's a, it's a logging area outside logging of Oregon, down. outside of Portland, Oregon, or something. And that cult that we've always talked about, that we were always so afraid was going to snatch us up, shows up in this movie. And I think that's a, my favorite part about it. Um, they do kidnap Mandy. They use nefarious methods to do so. Yeah, dripping some sort of hallucinogenic directly into her eye, I believe. Yes, there was lots of... It, so it's like a satanic LSD cult. With demon bikers. Hell yeah. You know, there's a scene where they use the Horn of Abraxas to call these demon biker things. And when they show up on their bikes, the headlights are, you know, blinding you and everything. I really, my brain, the first place I went was, oh man, great, the Lost Boys are here. <laughs> yeah, they're kind of up high, like, yeah, you hear the motorcycle sound. It's and actually then, very similar to that scene now that I think of it. I was trying to remember yeah. what that scene reminded me of. And then all hell breaks loose. Yeah. And Nicolas Cage loses his mind. This is the most Nicolas Cage movie that Nicolas Cage has ever gotten to Nicolas Cage in a long time. At least as far as I know, because I haven't really watched many recent direct-to-video movies that he's been in. His performance, if you've seen Kick-Ass, you guys have seen that, right? Yes. Mitch, so do you remember the scene where... Big Daddy is being burnt alive. Vaguely. Okay. And he's shouting out instructions to Hit Girl on where to shoot, what techniques to use. Mm-hmm. It's basically that times ten. Okay. It's almost like they kept on going with that scene and had him ratchet it up and ratchet it up and ratchet it up. And then like, okay, act like this for the rest of the movie. Pretty much. <laughs> and he shoves a bunch of cocaine in his face and does the uh, super LSD. There's some scenes where he's covered in blood and motor oil and whatever else, like his entire face and his eyes are crazy, and that's the least scary thing about him. <laughs> and he, yeah, he got to have fun with this. You could totally, you could tell he was just loving it, just chewing up scenery. And there was a lot of scenery to chew up. So, Jimmy, what do you usually feel about hallucinations in movies or dream sequences or things like that? It depends. I hate when those scenes are excuses for what's happening if something really intense will happen and then oh i woke up okay yeah where they'll they'll fake a death or they'll fake someone arriving or something like that and it turns out it was just a dream sequence yeah exactly that uh i can't stand that. so you actually so you usually like so you don't like it if it's used as a fake out but if it's pushing the plot along then you're okay with hallucinate like hallucinations or hallucinations or dream sequences i'll get that word right eventually um, <laughs> mitch yeah, what about you funny well, I, I think dream sequences get a bad rap because they're they're used to kind of retcon stuff or tie up loose ends in general. Yeah, I've always thought they're a little bit dream sequences specifically are a little um, poor writing. You know, they they use them to push the plot along, whereas we they don't need it. Like they they'll use them to have a character do something like, oh, I saw it in a dream. I need to do this, or I saw it in a dream. So and so is going to die. That kind of thing. But rather than have like them find something that pushes the plot along, and I think that's not a great thing. But um, 
this movie they used dream sequences and hallucinations a little bit different. So the hallucinations in uh, in Mandy were triggered by massive amounts of, I guess, high grade LSD um, that was used by what was his name Jeremiah. To, yeah, the cult leader. Yeah, he, uh, Jeremiah was a cult leader of the the backwoods hillbillies that uh, kidnapped Mandy, as Mitch called him, and he uses LSD to control his flock. Um, and there's a a scene where. Uh, Greg, you mentioned pouring it directly into Mandy's eye, and they also sting her with some giant bug. But that is probably one crazy. of the trippiest scenes um, in the movie. <laughs> a lot of this, you know, the imagery in that, if you guys look it up or you're familiar with it, is the album cover for uh, Paranoid by Black Sabbath. Uh, is that where they got that? Uh, I'm not saying that they did, but that's all I could think of. No, you're probably not wrong because there's a lot of references to classic rock, especially dark classic rock. Yeah, she's wearing a Black Sabbath shirt. She's wearing a Motley Crue shirt. The movie takes place in 1983. Yeah, and the the cover of uh, Black Sabbath Paranoid album is like a guy in like a Superman costume kind of thing, like running, but it's all it's like a triple negative, so it's all blurry. Um, so that makes a lot of sense now. Because what's the other band they reference a lot in this movie? Um, what did you say? Uh, Crimson. King Crimson. King, King Crimson. There's a lot of references. King 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 King. A lot of references to that band as well. And there, I don't know them all that well. I'm looking at the Paranoid album cover right now. It's, it's a guy in like a with a shield and a helmet running with a sword. But it's like, come, yeah, the whole the movie looks like it. You're not. They did it on purpose. There's no way because even the text is the same. Speaking of things that we recognize from the 1980s as a staple in our diet. You guys, I'm sure, um, ate your fair share of mac and cheese. Uh, I still do. You still? Yeah, me too. Uh, there is a great part in Mandy where Nicolas Cage, his character, he uh, read, he returns home after um, something happens, and the TV is yeah, still it's on. It's particularly traumatic. Yeah, the the thing that happens. and uh, or Or the scene you're talking about. Both, I guess. Uh, more like something horrible happens, and I think the the upcoming part you're going to talk about is kind of the wiping the slate clean, at least so the viewer isn't completely and utterly stressed. That's true. Yeah, no, that's a really good point because it was super intense. Um, you know, we talked about it, it was kind of slow for a while, and then it was just full on in your face, these super trippy things that really messed with your head. And then in walks Nicolas Cage after this event, Finally, we get a little reprieve, um, and on the TV is a commercial for uh, macaroni and cheese. It's safe to say that, right? Elbow yes. pasta and cheese? No, macaroni and cheese is good. It's, okay. good. it's, not, like, it's not like Jell-O or Band-Aid. Yeah. And, and this macaroni and cheese is called Cheddar Goblin. I, I can't hold <laughs> off any longer. I have to say it. I, I was trying to build it up, man, but wow. Where uh, – I, I just – I. Where did that come from? Whose mind did that come from? And who do I have to thank for that? Because what we have, if you guys haven't seen the movie, is we have a commercial where you've got a couple of little kids who are sitting at the table. And they go, I think the little girl says, oh, Cheddar Goblin, did you eat all the macaroni and cheese again? <laughs> she was maybe five or six. And then, Yeah. <laughs> And then a little goblin comes around the corner. He's like, ugh, me? Ugh. And he's a creepy little thing that would have terrified me. I have i don't know if I've expressed how much on the show before how much the movie Troll 2 
absolutely terrified me. And if I had a little goblin come around the corner when I was trying to eat my mac and cheese, I would have lost it. Mm-hmm. Not only does this little goblin pop up, but he barfs cheddar mac and cheese all over these kids who are super excited for it to happen. It's There's great scenes of this all over online. And you had asked who came up with this idea. It was actually Panos Cosmatos. It was a, oh, was it? a joke. He kept on like joking around in the production office with uh, Josh Waller, who's the producer. Mm-hmm. And apparently he really liked the movie Ghoulies. So they were talking oh, about Ghoulies see that. and like barfing green slime and all that. And then what if it barfed macaroni and cheese on kids? So they apparently um, decided to make it happen in the movie and gave $1,000 to a puppeteer. Wow. Uh, someone from Adult Swim and basically said, hey, here's $1,000 to make this goblin. Can we make this happen? Not a bad investment, I'd say. No. Yeah. It's Well, it's, it's taken on a life beyond the movie. It has. Yeah, there's now merchandise. Um, you can buy your own box of uh, Devane's uh, Cheddar Mac and Cheese. Sorry, Cheddar Goblin. <laughs> Sorry. Is it, is it, it says Cheddar Goblin on the box, doesn't it? Yes, Devane Cheddar Goblin. Yeah. Um, it's got a little goblin peering over the side of a, uh, a bowl of mac and cheese. Super excited for it. But... Yeah, it looks like they conceived the Cheddar Goblin as like one of those mascots, like the Trix Rabbit, where they couldn't eat the product that they were actually advertising. And apparently if he ate the product that he was advertising, that he was going to eventually vomit it all over children. <laughs> I was going to say barf it all over kids. Yeah, and they loved it. Yeah, they looked pretty happy. As I said, not too long ago, there was definitely some pictures of that online. There's actually a really cool picture of the, the first drawing of the Cheddar Goblin as well on thrillst.com oh okay and uh yeah you'd mentioned the all the products and stuff you can get like a party pack to like watch mandy with your friends and it comes with a box of cheddar goblin and like fake tattoos and a bunch of other stuff what where's this at uh it's on the official like um mandy webpage. oh that's fantastic uh you can follow cheddar goblin at cheddar goblin on uh on twitter and, and uh it's a goblin since 1981. Goblin, G-O-B-B-L-I-N. Uh, like gobbling. Nice. Yeah, and the, spewing uh, news for the film Mandy. The Mandy viewing party box is $30. Okay. Comes with uh, four mi- movie still mini posters, four temporary tattoos, party coasters, four of them, one Cheddar Goblin beanie, one box of Cheddar Goblin mac and cheese. Ah, uh, that's where it comes from. I just saw pictures of the product. Party tips and drink recipes, and they are back ordered uh, to at least October first. Wow, that's pretty spectacular for a. Uh, I guess you could say a character that was only in the film for about forty seconds in the background on a television. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the conclusion of it, mm-hmm. Nick Cage uh, read. He just goes. He's just in this like shell shock trance after this event happens, and he just goes. Cheddar Goblin. Like, just Cheddar Goblin. Yeah, it's just, I I think that's how I felt after I saw it. Because I was just, like you said, it was was just a a white swiping of the, a cleansing of the palate. Mm -hmm. Because right after that, it went full force right back up again. Yeah, because I think, as I think we're going to talk about later, Mm -hmm. at some points the movie took itself very seriously, whereas the trailer didn't. So at some point you're like, well, when is no, this going to break? Yeah. When is this going to switch over from very serious cult members to time to get revenge? 
Yep. So other than that, there's these like really cool title sequences at different chapters of the movie. Mm-hmm. And there's even some, I'm not going to quite call it anime, but there are some animated sequences as well. So whether you want to consider those hallucinations or not, um, it was more of uh, scenes from the book that Mandy was reading. So when I was up in Boston, which we talked about last week, uh, Derek, who we also talked about last week, he went out and bought a like a grab bag of old heavy metal magazines. And they're from the late 70s, early 80s. And uh, what was interesting, first of all, some of them had like Blade Runner ads for the movie and stuff, which was pretty cool. But the little comics in there really reminded me of this movie, some of the sequences and stuff. It was, it was very interesting how, like, and then when you mentioned the animation, some of those things looked like they came right out of heavy metal magazine comic strips, which were, you know, very much based on, not hallucinations, what word? There's a word I'm looking for that described that type of, like, late 70s art. Um, shoot. Um, it's the same. Uh, they also use it to reference music, too. Uh, like Jefferson, Starship, those kind of bands were considered a certain type of band. Psychedelic? Psychedelic, there we go. Thank you. Um, yeah, it was like psychedelic art, and you could, and there's a lot of scenes in this movie that look like they could have fallen right out of those magazines. Like some of the, the reds and the blues and the, the way things were blurred out and the, the scenery. Very interesting movie to look at. Um, what did you think about the, um, the overall plot? Just in general, without going too deep into it, like what did you you think about it? It was it seemed to me very just run, like run of the mill kind of simple. It, uh, I I think up until a certain point, I felt like it was taking itself too seriously. From you know what I'd seen from the trailer and from some of the art, um, I was waiting for Crazy Nick Cage to do Crazy Nick Cage stuff, mm. and I think it took a while for that to happen. Um, about an hour and 15 minutes in, or maybe an hour and 10 minutes in. Yeah, when he starts crafting that scythe, I was like, all right, here we go. The next 45 minutes are going to be amazing, and they were. I was visiting my family's house, and so my mom was there, and she walked back. She walked like behind the couch when I was watching that part, and he like raised that thing up, and she's like, oh, everyone just has one of those laying around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that like, crazy uh, scythe thing. Yeah, I got one. I have one. And Rob definitely has one. I might have two. Yeah. Yeah, when he goes all nuts and stuff. It's Now, when I say that the plot was simple, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Because it they took a simple plot and added layer upon layer of references, as you said, layer upon layer of just wackiness and effects and color grading and, uh, you know, self-referential stuff as well, which, you know, allowed for that simpleness to be there and yet still have a cool and interesting movie. Uh, it did remind me of... Road Warrior, though, a lot. Yeah, as Mitch said, it was very... He, he took a, a kind of Mad Max way to um, approach getting Mandy back, and I, I think that's definitely uh, spot on without even actually seeing the movie. Also, I'm pretty sure this is the first movie I've ever seen a chainsaw battle in, like a, a chainsaw yeah, sword fight. Two different size chainsaws, too. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen that in a movie before, and I'm very surprised considering how many movies featuring chainsaws I've actually seen. Hmm. Did the guy with the longer chainsaw win? Because I would think you would have a significant advantage. Uh, they kind of swap chainsaws periodically. What? So the guy that starts off with the longer chainsaw does not But win. the guy who ended with the longer chainsaw does? Um, I think it's more of a body slamming onto a chainsaw situation. So I don't re- recall which chainsaw it was. Do you? 
Yeah, it was the big one. Okay, so it was the big one. So the lo- the longer chainsaw won, regardless of who was holding it at the time or who wasn't holding it at the time. There was a really cool sequence of a battle kind of in a living room with, with pornography on the television. Because um, there's always pornography on the television. There was. And there was a fight with, with Nick Cage, of course, and two of the biker demons. It was just a, it was an interesting fight. It was just in, interestingly shot. And the, the biker, I mean, this movie obviously had a smaller budget. The biker demons were really just, you didn't see much of their faces. It was kind of all dark, a lot of leather, a lot of spikes. Um, I thought, I don't know, I thought it was a, I thought it was an interesting movie, although I didn't love it as much as you. Yeah, I, I couldn't understand why you weren't raving about it. Um, I absolutely loved it. I thought Nick Cage put in like the performance of his career. If I was handing out awards, he'd definitely get one. He's crazy and he knows it. There's a scene at the very end where he's in the car and he gives that crazy Nicolas Cage look from all the memes. And he is so self-aware of it. And I thought it was fantastic. I can't wait oh, the, to the second half out. I loved. Okay. The, the first half, just, it was just that one 15 to 20 minute sequence of the cult leader just rambling on about crap as the screen was like doing that weird like zoom blur red thing that, like I said, it took me three or four times to get through it. Like I fell asleep once as this guy was rambling on to the girl and then like at the end of it, she like laughs at him, which is I think what sets him off. And then he like, yeah, that's I, when I, he I decides to like. So the the point when I was like trying to get through it that I could always like find because I was using, I was doing it on demand, so I was fast forwarding or winding. But it like it seemed to only fast forward in like fifteen minute chunks. So she's like it would always kind of stop at that laugh. And then of course he ends up uh, burning her alive, which is a crazy se- sequence because you kind of see it through the eyes of Nick Cage just kind of laying there sideways. From yeah, there's correctly. a spoiler. For you, yeah, yeah. Well, um, now I don't need to watch the movie. Thanks, Greg. Well, we said she got he got revenge for her like death. So, what, what else is he going to get revenge for? But um, all in all, you know, it was it was a, a very pretty movie. Um, it kicked butt at Sundance apparently, and that's how it got wider release. Uh, there is video on demand. Yeah, well, it's a very it's a definitely a very strange movie. I could not see that movie in the theaters. Like wide release at least, but it's uh, there are some people that are saying that because everyone raved about it at Sundance when they're seeing it, they're like, "Well, what was the big deal?" And I think it's one of those that people might need to understand the references to enjoy the movie more. Yeah. So if you haven't seen it yet, it's on video on demand. Watched it on Amazon Prime. Rented it for forty eight hours for four dollars and ninety nine cents. Absolutely worth it. I think if um, if you're into that sort of thing, then check and see if it's in a theater near you. Otherwise, you can wait until October 30th when it comes out on Blu-ray and DVD. And one other question for you, because um, some of our listeners might find this useful. When, when you initially told me about the movie, Greg, you said that you did not think it was a movie that I was going to like. Why was that? Because when we say that it's hallucinations and stuff, it's like... 85% hallucinations. And there's a, a lot of very strange, long scenes in it. Mm-hmm. So, like, there are some scenes that go so long that they're almost uncomfortable. And I don't think they needed to be that long. Mm-hmm. So, like, there, there is a, a very well-acted scene of Nick Cage freaking out in the bathroom when he finally, like, gets back home after some bad things happen. And he's, like, screaming and drinking um, a bottle of vodka. And it happens for... I don't know, seven to ten minutes, and it's. Well, I don't think it was quite that long. It seems like it. It seemed like it. It happens for a very long time. 
And it's just, it's a different pacing. It's definitely a, a more of a European style pacing mm-hmm. of film. And it, as what, what Jimmy said, I think it can take itself a little bit too seriously early on. So it's almost like you could probably log in for the second half of the movie, the second hour. It's two hours long. You could watch the second half and you probably enjoy it better than watching the whole movie. Okay. There's really not a lot you need to know from the beginning to the end. Our next topic is the new Netflix original animated series from the creator of The Sentence. Now, do you guys know how to say his name? I do. Matt Groening. Matt Groening is correct. And it turns out that I actually share a birthday with him. I had no idea. February 15th. Not the same year. He's significantly older than I am. But it's 10 episodes. It premiered on August 17th. Um, and we're talking about this because Mitch, myself, and Greg have seen it. And, and Rob wishes he had. Yes. Now, everyone re- references The Simpsons when they talk about Matt Groening. Um, he, of course, also did Futurama. And yep. this movie is, or the show, is way more in line with Futurama than it is, I think, with The Simpsons. In the fact that it's time-shifted and just the type of humor and kind of continuous storyline that they're telling. And I was really excited about the show when I first heard about it. I love the character designs, at least one very specific character design. And, Which one? Uh, uh, the cat. <laughs> no, Lucy. Lucy. Yeah, I love Lucy. The, the little demon. He's a, a little demon that in order to be able to kind of hang out with everybody, they just say, oh, it's my cat. I thought it was a really interesting design. I thought it was just, he was just cute. Yeah, and, and every, everybody thinks he's a cat anyway. They're like, oh, that weird-looking cat. It got me every time. Yep. And even the the introduction in the trailers, where he basically was was kind of like still acting demonly. You know, like, well, I'm here to destroy the world. But, you know, I'll hang out with this girl for a while kind of thing. And so, so what did you guys think? <clears throat> I was a little bit disappointed overall with the show. That is why you wanted to be on this show. I'm guessing um, you have opinions. I, I, I do have opinions. Uh, I also was not a huge fan of, um, Lucy's design overall. Really? Uh, The nose bugged me. Um, but I'm going to look that up while you're talking. No, overall, like, I think the show had a lot of promise. I think it certainly improved towards the later episodes. The pacing seemed to pick up a little bit. Um, but really the biggest thing for me was just the, the jokes and the sense of humor just didn't feel as, as tight and well-written as Futurama. And that probably isn't quite a fair comparison comparing the first season to, you know, Futurama, which had many seasons. Um, I haven't seen the first season of Futurama in years. I'm wondering if I went back, if it would kind of feel the same. You're not wrong. I I wonder about that too, but I still feel like I would, I would walk away and be like, you know, I still like the the stylist sense of of humor more um, and the jokes a little bit better. Um, But you know, like I said, it has been a while since I've watched it, too. I, no, I, good. I, I know you're a big fan of Futurama, Mitch. Um, it's it's not something I actually enjoyed. Again, you know, hard to uh, to put that up against Futurama. But I actually enjoyed the style and the sense of humor in Disenchantment more than I did Futurama. Really? What? Yeah. Yeah, I thought. Is there anything I particular? It was hilarious. I like the the um, the kind of medieval theme of it more so than the the futuristic theme. Well, but you know, the humor just seemed to be too straightforward, and you know, like oh, it would be terrible if this happened, and then well, 
So first episode, um, when the future king dies, um, I <laughs> lost it. I mean, I thought that was just stupid funny. I mean, he just kind of falls on the Iron Throne and goes, eh. And then it's, it's <laughs> impales him through the head. Yeah. And then it just, uh, you know, they revisit that in the, you know, towards the very end where he gets up and he pulls the sword out of his head and his brain falls out. And of course he falls down and stabs himself through the heart. I just thought that was such a good way to, to, you know, tie everything together at the end. It was real. It was a good way to, to reveal the sense of humor of the show. Mm-hmm. It, it, it set the mood. It had no. its moments. Um, and I think, I think there were a couple of standout parts and there was one character in particular who I liked everything he said and, and did. Um, who was that? Chaz. Chaz. Chaz was my favorite character. Uh, and I wish there was more of him. I could definitely see that. Um, <clears throat> hopefully there will be. Um, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to season two. Uh, there, you asked me what in particular there, there were several scenes that, um, stood out in my mind um it's just when the assassin of maru so that whole thing was really funny with the maru um having their currency in mice and what was the other one they had their currency in snakes i just thought it was so ridiculous and out there and um you know the the assassin of maru (laughs) says to uh what do you call himself big joe yeah that was his name yeah he says see you in hell weirdo it just in kills himself that wasn't the guy was that the guy from maru who yeah he, was, he, he just was, fell with his sword yeah he was an assassin of maru um representing the mouse currency people ah right right because the, the snake people were from the lost city yeah why does lucy always walk with his arms out uh, i don't know and that was does just he? so funny to me yeah for the most part he walks like a egyptian uh oh, yeah. just Kind of drawn like a hieroglyphic, you know, yeah. flat, two D. Sticks his arm out, arms out the whole time like he's a mummy. He has quite the fan following because I did an image search and there's like all these like fan art drawings of Lucy. It's like three renderings. There's there's one that looks like uh, like Toothless, the dragon, <laughs> who was not my favorite character was Elfo. I thought maybe into the third or fourth episode they tried to change his character. Where he was just all, or maybe it was the environment that changed him. I, I, you know, that's probably more like it, but he was just kind of the dumb, oh, everything's candy drops and gumdrops and, you know, and then he was kind of starting to try to be a little badass after like the third or fourth episode. He's well, a character that we've seen before in these type of movies or shows for that matter, where he was destined for one thing and ended up doing something else. But of course they play off of it. You know, and, it, and it's, not uh, terribly surprising, but you have Bean, and then she has the Lucy, who's kind of supposed to be like the devil on one shoulder, and then Elfo, mm-hmm. the devil, the the angel on the other. And uh, um, no, yeah, there's a, a scene where they do that as well. But yeah, no, totally agree. Go ahead. But um, I didn't mind Elfo overall. Um, his his kind of look also seemed a bit strange to me. It looked like they gave up when it came to refining his line work. They're just like, oh, you know, we'll just keep them all jagged when everybody else is, you know, a little bit more refined. Yeah, I see that. 
he uh for me elfo was a character directly out of like duff land <laughs> like one of the little like duff elves mm-hmm. exactly yeah like uh, the main three characters which again i liked but i was kind of hoping for someone else to join their band and i'm not sure <laughs> what band. type of character like the little like band of like you know of disenchantment but i'm not sure what type of character yeah, they, like it, it needed something. They seemed like hybrids of the Futurama characters, and so I could see that being a little bit more difficult to work in mm-hmm. another another character uh, as well to that. Uh, but I, I think that could have helped the the dynamic overall. Like, yeah, because the mentioning of uh, Futurama, they'd be like, well, maybe they could have had a heroic character that wasn't really all that heroic, but that's basically right out of Futurama as well. Yeah, I mean, that's Bean, I guess. Another thing that I think this will change but there was a lot of the same voices from Futurama, same voice actors, and they're yes. great, but I'm still not kind of over their characters in Futurama. So every time I heard, you know, the voice of the king, um, it it was hard for me to associate him with, with that character. That was the same voice as Bender, right? Right. Um, so that, I think, too, will, will get better with time. Um, but it was a little bit jarring to hear all these... Um, same voices like the 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 little fairy mm-hmm. not what she was you know very yeah, similar little... character to what she uh she played in Futurama I thought the little cracked out um over the hill fairy was hilarious but that's what she played in Futurama was a old cracked out woman yeah so the right around the middle of the season the Hansel and Gretel episode hit and I think it turned a corner for me there that was hilarious. That episode was my favorite, and I was cracking up. Oh, yeah. I, I love when um, Lucy uh, says to uh, Bean, you know, you just killed two uh, mentally handicapped, you know, adults uh-huh. or something. <laughs> and I just, I lost it because they were, they were just dumb grown-up versions of Hansel and Gretel. Um, and, like, right at that point, then it really started picking up. Because I think, like I said, I, I plowed through the first episodes, and then I hit that one. And then I actually slowed down, not because not because I didn't want to watch it, because I wanted it to last a little bit. And then I, of course, traveled, and at which point I kind of forgot, and then I had to rewatch it again. But um, what do you think of the um, how the season ended? Rob, you might not want to, uh, you know, be here. Okay. So I I was torn. Um, like the last two episodes, um, you know, because yeah, a lot happened. A, a lot happened that I felt I felt like they could have spread it out over more of that first season. I agree. Um, But I think it could be an interesting direction. Uh, You know, it it could add a lot more to the story and and perhaps also work with the sense of humor a little bit more, given the, that they might be in different situations. Um, I, I wasn't happy with what happened to one of the characters though. Um, You can say it without giving it away. I think alpha. Yes. Mm hmm. Yeah, I I was disappointed in um, what happened to him, and I'm hoping it's something that, um, you know, they like, like revisit. I guess you could say correct. Well, they did revisit at the end of the whole credits, right? Did they? I don't know if I yeah, saw he, that part. Then at the end of the credits, he washes up onto like a beach, um, and there's a hand that like picks him up and kind of drags him off screen. You don't see very much. It's like an extreme close up. So you just see like an arm and a hand. Okay. I did not see that one. Yeah. Not it's at the end right. of the credits on the last episode. Interesting. Um, so that gives me hope. 
so he'll obviously be back. I mean, he's he's in all of the the graphics, he's in all of the posters and stuff like that. I don't think he's going anywhere, especially in a world of magic when these people when these characters can be brought back. Um, I thought it was they made the the new wife look sinister enough with the you know the forked tongue and the snake like appendages and all that stuff to where I 100% knew that she was not going to be evil because they made her look too evil. It would have been too obvious. I did not pick up on that. I knew that something was going to happen, but I didn't know what exactly was going to happen. But I'm like, well, the first thoughts were like, oh, well, did the original wife get killed by this woman? Because, you know, like she's turned into a statue. This woman looks a little bit like Medusa. Eh, Maybe it's a thing, but I didn't. But I was like, nah, I think that's too obvious. And they actually surprised I, me there, which I thought was good. I don't like how they call it part one. I would have preferred they and called it And it definitely opened one. up season two. Um, they already knew there was going to be a season two. It that they would be ten releasing first season and ten episodes second season was like purchased at the same time licensed at the same time. So there's definitely going to be season two. Yeah, it kept on throwing me. Like when I was watching, I was like, wait, did I miss something? Is this a, yeah, no, you a mini a thing point. in the middle? Yeah. Well, since uh, Rob has not seen it, are, are you back, Rob? I told okay. Rob to step away and... <laughs> Hi, Rob. Hi. Are you done? Yes. So do we think that Rob should watch it? And the answer is yes, yes technically, because he is big into fa- the fantasy type stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I, I was thinking this last night. Um, if each episode were more than half an hour... So as we've discussed numerous times on this podcast, yes, Halloween Horror Nights that has actually true. begun. Begun, what, last weekend, Greg? Yeah, last Friday. So it'll be, well, it'll be two Fridays from when this episode Correct. comes out. So it began mid-September this year, and I think what one of the things that we've decided we're going to do is we're going to watch some of the independent properties that they've gotten licensing for to do the houses on, and we're going to compare the houses and the movies. Yeah, because this year there's a lot of licensed properties and a lot of houses. There's an extra house this year, I believe. Yeah, there's 10 houses this year, and they're doing that, I think, to make up for not having Bill and Ted, but I'm not buying it, Universal. So Rob is very angry about No Bill and Ted. I am. And, as am I. However, um, they do have a ton of houses. And the ones I've seen, I've been there once. You've been there three times. Yeah. The ones I've seen have been very good. So the properties are, there's a Halloween 4 house, which I've seen. Uh-huh. It's been a while uh, Killer since Cl- I've seen it, so I'll probably have to watch it again. Well, I've seen the house. I haven't seen oh, the movie oh, in a while. I've seen the movie, but not in a while. Uh, the Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Correct. Which we should do a terrible I don't believe movie I've night. seen that. Yeah, I don't believe I've seen that, although the imagery is so vivid that I kind of feel like I have. Uh, Poltergeist, mm-hmm. which I have definitely seen and built a haunted house for a haunted room and for last year. It actually just made my list. Oh, actually, we're not yeah. at that point yet. <laughs> As you can tell, we sometimes don't record in order. Yes. Uh, Trick or Treat, which is a movie that... As I also believe we've talked about on here, that I randomly purchased in a Walmart bin because it just looked cool, and it turned out to be really good. And it's something that I watch every year for Halloween. Happy Death Day and the First Purge are showing up in the Bloomhouse House. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know that I'm going to watch the First Purge, but I guess I could. I haven't decided. It's I, mean, I don't know if it's out yet. They're all pretty on, much the same. Yeah, I don't know if that one's out yet. On video, right. well, or and, demand or whatever. And, and to be fair, did you make it through the the Bloom House house yet? No, I'm not. Eh, eh. This house has always seemed to be like there's supposed to be something else. Well, but it, but it also seems like it's it's just it it's just like a house that you go into. Okay. So, but uh, maybe, now there is a Chucky. But maybe there's they, a Chucky scare zone. Yes, called Revenge of Chucky, and 
that is actually patterned off of a movie called Cult of Chucky, but it's actually kind of a continuation of that movie where they take some ideas from that movie and continue it into the scare zone. So I will have to track down Cult of Chucky. Um, I refuse to watch it. I, I told you, Rob. Yep, you did. I hate those stupid movies. <laughs> I was telling I was telling Rob the other day at Halloween Horror Nights that Jimmy has an unnatural hate of those movies. Um, they're stupid. I'm and of course there's Stranger them. Things, but I don't think that we're going to be able to watch all of Stranger Things. I won't be able to. Um, but Rob has a really good memory for that, so I'm guessing he'll be able to compare. I'll do my best. Yeah. It has been a while since I've seen it, but I'll see what I can do. Yeah. Now, that's not all we're really going to do with Halloween Horror Nights. We are going to watch the movies and do some reviews. Now, we'll probably do that kind of in the next few weeks mm-hmm. as we go. We won't do it all at one time. So we'll try to watch a few of them and do the houses and stuff. Now, there's also some original haunted houses, which, again, I've been through some of them. Rob's been through all of them. So we'll those are... Um, a the harvest. There's Vamp eighty five, Slaughter Cinema. Slaughter Cinema. I love Slaughter Cinema, which is like kind of fun, like schlocky B movies. Yeah, that might made be, up ones. That might be one of my favorite houses this year. Yeah, uh, Scary Tales, which is like Twisted Fairy Tales, which is great. I like that as one well. Too. That one. The story is like the Wicked Witch of the West, kind of turns everything evil. Um, Carnival Graveyard, which looked really cool, looked very very cool. And there's a lot of stuff to see in that one. Uh, Seeds of Extinction, which I've not seen anymore, or I've not seen. So there, there's a bunch of stuff we're going to review throughout the next few weeks coming up. So if you're big into theme parks, if you're big into horror, you're going to want to to listen and uh, check back, check that stuff out. Oh, and check out our Instagram as well, Give Me Five Pod, because there are going to be lots of pictures posted basically from every time we go, as long as Rob remembers to do so. Yeah, take pictures, Rob. So that brings us to our question of the week. And based on our conversation, it kind of came up a couple of times. I came up with the question, what are your top five hallucination scenes from film or television? Not the realization that we are living with any simulation. <laughs> so not the Matrix. Right. Not the Matrix. Greg kept going, what about this one? I was like, no. Um, so I'll go first. Try and set the stage for it. Um Maybe you guys will hear one that you think was good. So uh, I'm starting at number five. Uh, Batman gives Crane a taste of his own medicine. I mean, yep. That's the scene where Batman releases the gas on Scarecrow and just the coolest version of Batman ever. Yeah, the big demon Batman with like the dark black face and the, yeah. Yeah. And uh, my number four is Lisa drinks the water in Duffland. And she comes out at the end and says, I am the Lizard Queen, which is a, a Jim Morrison reference. Um, almost mimulist were the hallucination scenes from uh, Wayne's World Part 2. Uh, number three, Tyrese. Tyrese's final episode in The Walking Dead. Oh, that was, that's, that's a heartbreaker. I, was, I had tears in my eyes last night watching it again. Um, that was painful to watch. Number two is going to be the... Psycho freak out from Beavis and Butthead. Aww. Which was, what, that can be on your list too. Beavis uh, and Butthead do America from yes. that? Yeah. Uh, totally. The more we have in common, the better. Uh, my number one, as pointed out by Greg, he goes, You didn't have American Werewolf on your list? I said, Oh my God, I totally forgot. Uh, Jack sticks around. Jack was uh, David's friend who was killed by the wolf, and Jack keeps appearing. Um, while David is still um, a lycanthrope. So that's my five. Not bad. 
I like this question because there's a lot of different directions one can go with it. Mm-hmm. I was particularly proud of it. Mitch, do you yeah. want to go next? Sure. I'm not oh. sure I have five, especially, you know, since you're throwing out the Matrix. Um, and I think another one of my choices, well, I guess that really isn't a, a hallucination. I was going to say Inception, but that's more of a dream than a hallucination. Okay. Um, but, cool. uh, you know, Beavis, Beavis and Butthead do America. Really like that one. Um, I gotta watch that one again. It's been a long time since I've seen that movie as well. Uh, Some reason when when both you guys said it, the first thing that popped into my head was David Letterman, <laughs> because he played their dads or their dad, uh, one of their dads, or I don't know. The, you know, when Jimmy first mentioned this question to me, that was the first thing that popped into my head was was Beavis and Butthead, mm-hmm. and you know I don't watch a lot of kind of scary or thriller type of TV shows or movies. So this, this was a really difficult question for me. Um, one that I liked for more of the visual kind of part of it was the, uh, from the movie dread. Ah, nice. We've discussed that many times on the show, but what scene are you talking about? Um, I mean, just in general, all the the colors and imagery that they used. Mm -hmm. Um, it probably also helped that, I was watching that movie in 3D. Oh, yeah, it does not hurt. Um, but that was was one of mine. Um, and that, yeah, that's pretty much it, aside from the ones that I've talked about and that really don't count. It's a very pathetic list. I, it's fine. I think you actually rounded out my list, Mitch. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> was the drug called in Dread Slow-Mo? Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, I think that's what it was called, yeah. It's another one I gotta see again. Okay, I'm gonna meet. I think I think I'm gonna go here. My uh, number five is from Wayne's World Two, with of course, which is also referencing the Doors, but that is um, the the naked Indian reference, telling them that they need to make their concert or Wayne stock, and of course, it is uh, turns out that the roadie has also had the same dream, and he of course asks uh, Wayne and Garth. Uh, don't you think it was a trifle unnecessary to see the crack in the Indian's bottom? And it was. It was absolutely unnecessary to see the crack in the Indian's bottom. Uh, my number four is the Batman Returns gassing of the Scarecrow with, of course, the, the badass, crazy Batman. Mm-hmm. I had seen a lot of different references to the Scarecrow you know, from reading comics, playing video games, etc. Uh, this is the one that actually kind of visualized what that fear toxin would actually do better than any of the others. Uh, so where am I? Uh, number three is from Halt and Catch Fire. And I'm not going to say much more about this other than it was a death scene. It happened in season four and I tried to watch it again and it is devastating. As devastating as the Tyrese scene. Uh, number two, uh, Fight Club, basically the entire movie. So, (laughs) so yeah, basically the whole movie of, of Fight Club. And my, my number one, the first one that popped into my mind, was actually also a Simpsons reference, but it was a different one than Jimmy had. And that was the um, episode, which I have to figure out how to read this, uh, El Viaje Misterioso de Nuestro Homer, yeah, which, which uh, references the mysterious voyage of Homer. And Homer goes to a chili cook-off, and while there he eats a Guatemalan insanity pepper and goes on a lovely trip where he's talked to by a coyote who is played by none other than Johnny Cash. So nice. all of those things pile on top of each other leads to that being my number one. Fantastic. Very good. Um, I'll go ahead and throw my list out, and I would like to uh, 
do my disclaimer at this point because there are definitely many more scenes that I, I they're they're in the back of my mind. And I'm seeing them, in, but I can't. I I just can't pull them to the forefront. So again, I'm going to reach out to our listeners. This list is fluid and it can change. Please email us and contact us with your favorites because they might actually make our list. And if if you guys submit something that we think should be mentioned, we will be more than happy to um, amend our lists, so to speak. But um, I'm going to go with my five. Um, I'm going to start at number five with Dread. Thank you, Mitch. Um, simply because the scenes in that movie actually added to the overall aspect of the movie. I felt like like without those scenes that the movie would have lost something. Um, they definitely helped to, to add a little bit of a visual cue to the movie. And I thought, I thought that it was very well done. Um, my number four is going to be American werewolf in London with, with the, the ghost of his buddy hanging around for the entire rest of the movie. My number three is going to be fight club. Basically, like Greg said, the entire movie, um, as, Wait, can I say that? Or, or am I spoiling it if I say that? I think it's been out long enough. You're good. Yeah, there's been a spoiler warning. Okay, because Tyler Durden does not exist. Um, so, like, the entire movie was was a hallucination. Um, my number two, and this is, this is where I really felt like there were scenes that I was forgetting. But my number two is going to be a uh, supernatural hallucination. And it's one that really messed me up as a kid. And it's the scene where I think it's Craig T. Nelson, like peels his face off in Poltergeist. Ooh, nice. Do you remember that? Yeah, I, do. I don't, but I will. That that was one that really stuck with me all these years. And that's why it's my number two. Um, my my number one, though, is number one simply because of the source that it comes from. Because who would expect a very involved hallucination scene to come from none other than Disney. And that would be the Pink Elephant's Own Parade from Dumbo. Ah. That, that is... It's a very yeah, good addition. Yeah. Except I hated Dumbo. Yeah. Well, Dumbo's really the only Disney movie that's that where the name is used as the, the... The name that they use for the movie is a derogatory term used to describe the main character. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody ever really thought about that, but... Like a slur, or yeah. Yeah. Also, the movie's really depressing. Okay, well, I think that closes out this episode. So, first of all, thank you, Mitch, for being here. Thank you, Mitch. Hey, you guys are welcome. Thanks for having me. And for, for bringing to the forefront your complaints about disenchantment and not complaining about me. Kerwin. Or Rob. <laughs> uh, don't forget to contact us. Don't forget to rate us, review us, follow us, all of that fun stuff. And please submit your list for this one because I'd really like to discuss it further. Because like I said, I know there's scenes we forgot. For sure. So thanks for listening. Thank you. I can plug your mic right into here. Your mic right into here. Wow, that was awesome. (laughs) You can plug my mic right into here? Not your mic. Is this your mic? Oh my God. (laughs) We're all on LSD now. That's part of the review, right? Is this your... (laughs) Stop. It's not working. Oh, well. I can't get around it. Well, when you're talking, you can just take your headphones off. I almost crapped myself. I had to potty so bad.